back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I am Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. I almost said I was Josh Hallman. <laughs> and I am. I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> I almost said there are no real-life working screenwriters. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Those don't exist. They don't exist anymore. So, um, this podcast is over. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, guys, we had a great run. We had a great run. Oh, man. But before we get into our topic, I will I will say, please, like, this is the time to send questions, right? Like, our episode today is going to be about questions we got through email. Please DM us questions, topics, suggestions. Tw- do it on Twitter. Do it on Instagram. Do it on our email, whichever you prefer. Um, and our email is act2writers at gmail.com, all spelled out. And I think um, now's the time to kind of – a lot of people, I think, have questions a, about what's going on, but just about like how to move forward or just like how to write right now, I yeah. guess, right? And so I, that that feels like a place we want to live right now. Like As we've said in our previous episode, we don't really want to get into strike stuff specifically. There's so many other resources that are much better than us about that. We're going to keep pumping out content and talking about why we do what we do and all of the things that make screenwriting an awesome job. And it's just a little, Josh and I have been talking about how it's a little surreal to just continue on with our topics as if a strike isn't happening. Yeah, it is a little weird. But in some ways, I feel like we need that. We Yeah, we were talking, we, like we had topics. We had another topic, again, that's been pushed now four or five weeks. But because of the strike, it was like, well, this just doesn't feel right to talk about because things are changing. So the topic might change a little and we are working through it screenwriting will return i think and and so (laughs) and so we have to continue with our topics but on that topic uh thought is we are going to do a breakdown in the future maybe immediately yes but if you have any recommendations for a breakdown that you want to see like maverick or top gun or maverick just email us (laughs) (laughs) email us and we'll do the we'll do yeah absolutely we'll do i got i got nothing but time (laughs) Josh, you're not doing anything, right? <laughs> no. We just we, we push this podcast by like 45 minutes. We're like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do it now. <laughs> we ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> we don't even have a This Week in Writing. How are we ever going to do I that I have again? one This Week in Writing. Oh, my God. We have a This Week in Writing? But it's not really a This Week in Writing. <sighs> let's just do it. This Week in Writing. This Week in Writing. So... Many, many episodes ago now, it feels like we did an industry terms episode wherein Josh and I had two very different versions of sticky concepts. Mm-hmm. And I just want to publicly say that people on Twitter are agreeing with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which has been very interesting because then every time someone has said sticky concept to me, that means I've been like, oh, okay, well, you know, all right, I'll try again next time. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's good. <laughs> And I just walk out the door. <laughs> Ooh, that's sticky. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I appreciate you acknowledging this, but you didn't have to do it. It's okay. I'm a humble person. I can do it. Wow. It doesn't hurt me. So we don't we don't even have anything to talk about writing wise. Are you writing a spec? Can we write specs? Can we admit that we're writing yeah. a spec? Okay. Yeah. But I I'm too depressed right now to write a spec. So I was hoping today would be the day. That I would talk to you and I'd feel so charged to just get in there and start breaking things down and getting that outline figured out. Yeah. Here's the thing. We'll see. Here's the thing. Yeah, it's a dark time. 
It's a lot, lot up in the air. But it's just one of those moments where if, if this is like Braveheart, you're either Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Or you're some dude who's not in the fight. and <laughs> <laughs> Or you're the English. <laughs> you're someone else. And it's just, it, it just you feels like. You had me at Braveheart. I know, then I lost it a little, but. I, I was I was having this conversation with someone just just earlier today actually, and he was asking me how how I was feeling, and I was like I'm I'm depressed. There's a lot of ups and downs, but like at the end of the day, we're gonna fight. Like we and I'm not talking about from a we're gonna go picket strike that point of view. I'm talking about as a human being that mm. has no option. Our backs are against the wall. If we're in Hollywood, things are changing, and you just have to be resilient. Like yeah, that's it. Like. I was, my friend was like, yeah. you're, you're going to be like a cockroach of the industry. It's like, you're always going to survive. And I was like, you're goddamn right. That's what it feels like right now. It feels like as hard as it is, writers feel like they have no other option but to do this. And I, I went to a dinner last night with a lot of other TV writers and they were all supercharged. They're still excited, gung-ho, like bring down the evil empire. They believe, we all do, in what this is about. So it's not... It's not going away, and you're right. It's it's backs against the wall, and and whatever comes comes, and we just keep fighting. I, I have this dream that this is just my complete ignorance and optimism is that I think a lot of the things that might be said publicly are just a negotiating tactic, and I'm yeah. hoping that it's it's not as extreme as it seems. Yeah, but I actually think it is as extreme as it seems. But we shall see. Who knows? Yep. <laughs> Okay. All right, let's let's do let's do a, a strike week two check in. Where on the smiley face spectrum are you? Are you sad face crying? Are you really really happy happy as a ten? Which yeah. which which emoji are you? So I'm in the doctor's office and he just asked me, or she just asked me, yeah, or you just asked me, and I say to you, I think you have the wrong chart. I, I need the confusing <laughs> face. Is there? I don't know how I feel. Is it? Do you have one that <laughs> that changes emotions? That is so accurate. That is totally how I feel right now. I'm not like sad or depressed or happy. I'm just like, I'm a fuzzy face. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's... you have that, that punch me face of like, why do you look confused all the time? And, and <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel I'm walking around, just total confusion. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, that's where we live this week. Mm, I love it. Our topic today... <laughs> to get out of this malaise is about uh, some questions we got from a listener. So thank you very much for these about kind of just how writers are paid. I think these came up as a result of the writer strike. And um, I thought they were a lot of really interesting and specific questions that were worth talking about. Yeah. And I, real quick, I just want to say if you do email us, thank you. But also if you ask any questions and we can use your name. Please let us know because we never do. We never say who emails are from because we just assume nobody wants their name thrown out there. So, um, Although he does say in this, maybe you could dedicate an episode on the subject of the current strike. <laughs> so 
So maybe he's, maybe he's for it. But yes, I think that's a great idea. Please let us know because we do like to answer your questions on the podcast simply because if you have this question, dozens of other people are going to have this question right. as well. Hundreds of other people are going to have this question <laughs> as well. Okay. Okay. So I'll just kind of go down, down the list here. One of the first questions is how are screenwriters paid in general? Is it per script? Is it per contribution, meaning a rewrite or a polish that you do? Or is it at the end of the script when the script is written already? Or is it every month? That's a really interesting question. And I think one of the things that the Writers Guild is trying to fight for is um, a, a switch up in how screenwriters are paid. And that means screenwriters, when we say that in the WGA sense, refers to feature writers, mm. which is weird. Like I don't, I don't typically make that distinction, but officially they're like, there are screenwriters and then there are TV writers, right? I just kind of use the, the name as a blanket term, but yes, for screenwriters, feature writers, the WGA is trying to push for a pay system that basically gives them a weekly uh, paycheck. So let me step back and kind of talk about in general, how screenwriters are paid. And this is what makes it tough actually to make a living off of screenwriting, particularly if you're making minimum and guild minimum for a screenplay, an original screenplay that is. So if you're the first writer in on something, you're not rewriting someone else's work or it's not based on something previous. If you're the first writer in, I believe the minimum right now is around the high 30,000. So we'll say like 36 or $38,000, but you don't get paid $38,000 when you are hired to write this screenplay, you are paid usually a percentage of that. So sometimes it can be as high as 50%. If you have a one step deal, that means that you're only writing one draft, one, one version of this. You're not getting notes and then rewriting it again. You just have one step. You'll get 50% on commencement, which is the start of you writing. It's kind of like if you've ever hired someone to come like build something in your house, right? Mm -hmm. Typically uh, you give them 50% now, 50% upon completion, or sometimes you give them some money throughout, like it's time to do the paint on this room. So now you have to pay me an extra, you know, 25% for that step. And so it's, it's, it's the same, it's the same as that really. So let's say you get 50% on commencement and then you'll get the 50% the, the other 50% on delivery. And this is where it gets a little tricky because delivery can be very subjective for the producers and or studio executives that you're submitting this script to. Because let's say, for example, I get my 50%, I'm commenced, I take my 12 weeks, which is pretty typical for a first draft of something, to write my, my movie. And I send it into the producer and they're like, this is great, but I have two pages of notes. And you're like, okay, uh, do I have to address these now? Because I'm delivering my first draft to you. And they're like, yeah, you need to address this now. And Josh, like you and I have had this experience constantly. We're like, it's not ready to go on to the studio executive, or it's not ready to go on to my boss at the production company. I, I'm not comfortable sending the studio or my boss this draft. It's not quite ready yet. So you have to do these additional notes. So you've taken your 12 weeks and you're expecting that 50% uh, other check that sh for delivery and you're not getting it. Instead, you're getting a round of notes. That's going to take you who knows how long, yeah. maybe a month, a couple weeks. And a couple days of just mental anguish. 
Yes. So two, two days to recover. <laughs> then you get into the notes. And like on a, on a good note set, like if it's minimal notes, it's a week, I feel like. But typically a first draft does it does usually have a lot of problems or it has a lot of tweaks before it's it's perfect or it feels perfect. So yeah, you're gonna get a lot of notes. So let's say it takes another month, you submit it to your producer again. It's not quite right, I, just a few more tweaks. And this process can go on forever. And I mean, we've I've had it go on for over a year. I've had other writers have a similar experience. So I'm not getting that extra 50% check that I was waiting for after 12 weeks for another year, let's say. And let's say that we do submit it to the studio, but then they also have notes before they're willing to pay you a delivery. So this can go on and on and on. So this is a problem that the paying weekly is, is that ask is that's where it's coming from. Because let's say I do get my 50% check and now the rest of the 50% um, we're gonna be paying out per week. Mm -hmm. So that means that at the end of the 12 weeks, I'm done getting paid, which means that as a writer, I'm good. I can finally walk away because I don't have any money. Come, They're not holding money from me, withholding money from me, yeah. right? I've gotten all my money so I can say, hey, this, is, this has been delivered. I then have the option to say, but I'll do a free pass for you. They call them a producer's pass. And I've always been told that that's super common. And the higher you sort of get up in the ranks, the 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 more clout you have to say, no, I'm not doing a producer's pass. But a producer's pass is essentially, I'm being a team player. The producer has notes before they're ready to send it on to the studio. And so I'm gonna do that pass for you for free. You don't have to pay me, no worries. But if I'm paid already by the time I deliver, that's an option I can do that I, that I feel like a team player. Rather than if they still are withholding money from me, I feel like a hostage yeah. and I have no choice but to do the producer's pass. You see the difference there? and. It's not fair because they're all getting paid. <laughs> they yeah. all get a weekly salary. So why shouldn't you? So that's that's sort of super in general of how writers get paid. That was a really good breakdown, by the way. Was it? I, I didn't. So. I, I thought I was rambling a bit. Okay. No, not at all. I, that makes. Yeah, we've talked about it, but like for some reason, you just saying it now just clicked. Like just yeah. The, like the why the weekly payment is so important. Yes. Because yeah. yes, everyone has been held hostage, and it's, you, you it doesn't feel good. Held You're like, cause it, yeah. it changes the power dynamic in a very yes. major way. Not to mention, you need you need money to survive. Yeah, because that's the tough part too. Is is my reaction has always been, and I still do this, even when I maybe don't don't need to. Is I try to find so many jobs, like all at once. I want so many jobs because I have no idea when that second delivery payment is gonna be triggered and I'll actually get that check. So if I'm waiting for it and doing nothing in between, except this one project, that's not sustainable as a career. Like I'm not gonna be able to pay my rent doing that yeah. or groceries, right? So. I then try to get other jobs in that meantime. And it's hard enough to write one script at a time, but to then pitch and try to get another job. And then suddenly you're sort of overwhelmed with so much work, but you have to yeah. in order to get the job done. And then sometimes that can lead to you not doing 100% on the job you were originally hired for only because it took so fucking long for them to pay you. <laughs> so it's it's this cycle that I think this, this method that the WJ is proposing will really help out a lot. That's great. Um, another part, like this, the part B of the question was, are you also paid per script or per contribution, meaning for a rewrite, or are you paid at the end of the written script or per month? So I guess we kind of answered some of this in there, but 
Another way that writers are paid is through different steps. So oftentimes, and what the Writers Guild is pushing for is for a mandatory two-step deal, which means one step is the first draft. And then the second step is you give me notes and then I address those notes rather than the previous example I gave, which was you give me notes and I do it for free. No, you, you have to pay me for that extra work that I'm doing. I will happily address these notes, um, but you just have to pay me to do that. So per contribution is accurate. At least that's what the WJ is fighting for. And that's what it should be legally. Every time you give me notes, I will address them. And that is another step in the process. That's another rewrite. And they have you know different steps. So it's called first draft, rewrite, which is a bit more, um, it's those two pages, five pages of notes that you get, like really substantive notes. Then there's a polish, which is kind of minor tweaks throughout, right? Like a producer can't go in and even like change a, a dialogue line. That's not really their job. So even if it's just changing some tweaks here and there throughout the script, that would be a polish. It's a bit more minor. I would say watch out for producers who call things a polish when it's really a rewrite. That absolutely happens. Um, but uh, those are kind of the the steps that you would get paid along the way. Mm. His next question is about how much does a screenwriter usually get paid for a movie or a TV series? And does it depend on the popularity of the project or is there a limit to the amount? So this question, the answer to this question is varied because every time, let's say, Universal has asked Josh to write the next Mummy movie. Oh. And they get down That's to do a deal. Sounds great. And why did I say Mummy? And why didn't I not say... Uh, Back to the Future. The next Back to the Future movie. Back to the Future meets the mummy. Hey. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and that's kind of what Mummy 2 was. Anyways. Um, yeah. So they're getting into a deal. And Josh's lawyer and Josh's agents are talking to the business affairs people at Universal. Not even the people that Josh pitched to and that he has a relationship with, the development executives. That's not who his reps are talking to. They're talking to the business affairs people. So the money people, the lawyers and accountants and the, the people who have never met Josh in their life. <laughs> and they are, they have the purse strings of Universal and they know um, how much in their development fund they have to spend that year. They know how much they are looking to spend on another project coming out. Like they, they have that huge perspective. And so they're kind of dealing with their pot of gold and how much they're going to siphon off to Josh for this project. So there's that piece of the puzzle. And then, and then Josh's reps, of course, will fight like crazy to get him paid as much as possible. That being said, there are minimums that screenwriters can get paid for a movie or a pilot um, that they are hired to write. So if you, if Josh sold an original screenplay to Universal, for example, so not Back to the Future meets The Mummy, but something wholly new and wholly his own, for a low budget movie, he would get paid the minimum that he could possibly get paid is $77,495. Now that breaks down to a treatment that he's going to write, for $35,108, a delivery of the first draft of a screenplay based on that treatment. So again, let's imagine all the notes that he's gonna get on this treatment um, as well before it's it's ready to go to the first draft. So this could take months and months and months. But then he 
finally is commenced to go to the first draft. So he gets another little paycheck there. And then he'll get $30,512 on delivery of that first draft of his screenplay to the studio. And then if he's so blessed to get a second step, so he gets a rewrite step, then he'll get paid another $11,875 for delivery of what they call the final draft of the screenplay. And that's on the low budget end. These are the minimums. Now, again, that $77,495, we would all be blessed to just have that as our year's salary. But it's broken down so much for Josh because he gets like 10% of that essentially to start writing his treatment. So like he pitched this idea to them and now he's gonna go write his original screenplay, but he only gets 10% in order to start writing his original treatment. And that's not very much. I don't know what, whatever 10% of 77,000, fucking math. $7,749.50 is the check that he gets. And then that is divided uh, amongst his reps. So from that $7,749.50, uh, 10% will go to his reps, his agents, 10% or 5% rather will go to his lawyer. If he has a manager, which he does, another 10% goes to his manager. And that's supposed to get him through however many months it takes to write this treatment and then to uh, write any, address any notes that he's got for the treatment before he goes on to the first draft of the screenplay. So as you can see, this is kind of an unsustainable way of living, particularly in Los Angeles, where all of us have to be to really do this job, particularly when we're starting out. Yep. So that's that's the minimum which is hard hard to live on after after all that. But can Josh's reps negotiate a much higher price? Absolutely. That tends to be based on your resume, essentially, like anything that you've been paid before on other jobs that you have. That's that's used as an example. That's a that's a precedent, right? You've your quote is whatever your previous job was, mm -hmm. and then your lawyer can negotiate up from there. So it's possible to make more, absolutely, but that's the minimum. Now for a high budget movie, the $77,495 for a low budget, if it's a high budget movie, it's $145,469. And that's just original. So if it's non-original, it goes lower, right? So let's say they did bring Josh in to pitch on Back to the Future Meets the Mummy. Well, Josh didn't come up with that idea. That's pre-existing. That's Zemeckis. No, that's not Josh. So he gets less money for all of that. Yeah. Um, and then it goes on and on and on like that. For a pilot, reading through this WGA minimums, which by the way, you can find online if you just Google WGA minimums. 2020, I think, was the last um, one that they published. So compensation per week. So let's say I'm getting paid, and sometimes this happens in movies, sometimes it happens in TV, where let's say I wrote the Back to the Future meets Mummy script, but it's not quite there yet. They need to bring in Josh to just kind of punch it up. And they're pretty sure it'll only take a week's worth of work for Josh to do that. So week to week compensation would be $6,307, it looks like, um, for the, a week's worth of work as a minimum that you could pay Josh to come in after me and, and work on the script for a week. Again, that gets divided, 25% immediately gets taken out and thrown to his reps. And then also you have to consider, we, ha we have to say, because we're freelance essentially, we have to save 30% at least for taxes. So subtract that, that should immediately go in a savings account as well. 
you're not taking home very much, even though it sounds like a lot. Anybody would be blessed to have $6,000 a week. Now, pilots are different because it depends on the length of them. So they have, if it's a 15 minutes or less pilot, then your your outline for that is $4,929. Your actual um, screenplay of it, and that includes both the first draft and the revised draft, is $11,971. So that's for a 15 minute. If you're going to 30 minutes or less, so usually comedies, a lot of animations are this way. The story, meaning the outline, is $9,036 for a minimum. The first and revised draft altogether, so you're getting paid that over quite a while, by the way, mm -hmm. is $19,436. Um, and then if we go all the way up to network prime time, 60 minute or less, we're talking all the letters, ABC, CBS, NBC. Uh, for an outline, it's $15,904 for the script it is $26,223 as the minimums that you could get paid for those scripts. So I hope that's helpful and not just a lot of numbers nobody cares about. No, very helpful. Uh, next question is, does it depend on the popularity of the project or is there a limit to the amount a writer can get paid on a movie or TV series? This one's tough because the answer is sort of yes. Mm. Like if Josh was coming on to write a kind of lifetime style erotic thriller and Netflix. <laughs> Which I would. Um, <laughs> that is very low budget. It's probably not a lot of movie stars are going to be in this movie. It's sort of a movie of the week in a way. Their budget to pay Josh is just less. They don't have a big pot mm -hmm. with which they're making this movie with. So Josh gets usually will get less. So if his quote is $300,000 to write a script and they're like, yeah, we can pay you, you know, 50. <laughs> He'll have to take that into consideration. Like, am I going to take this sort of lower, lower budget job for, for that? So yes, popularity of the project is, a, it's, I wouldn't quite say it that way, but the budget of the project certainly makes a difference versus say Josh is pitching on the Back to the Future reboot movie. Like they're going to put a lot of money into that. So he could probably make more on that series because they have more money to, to give and to invest in that. But again, if you say, you know, hey, I really need to make more on this. That's not going to get me through the year. Can we negotiate a higher fee for that? The chance is always that Universal says fuck off, mm -hmm. especially if the project is popular, because I can get any number of people in Hollywood to write the Back to the Future movie. Do you want this job or not, Josh? And that is certainly a negotiating tactic I have had pushed back at me as, hey, Tasha wants a living wage. How about we say no and we can get someone else to do it for her? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's always an option, too. And that's that's a tough part of the negotiation process here. It's weird. I mean, it, it's I guess it's just business. Yeah. People can leverage some popularity of I mean, in any it's not just Hollywood. It's everywhere. Oh, you want to work for Apple? You want to work here? You want to work on the new iPhone? You want to work on you want to work on Back to the Future? OK, cool. Well, you're going to have to take a little bit of a pay cut. And but you know that if. I know if I write the Back to the Future movie, I'll probably get another job afterward. That That's the thing screenwriters are always taking into consideration is, do I take less now and live a difficult life now? But because I'm working on Back to the Future, like my career is going to blow up. 
people find out Josh wrote Back to the Future reboot, holy shit, the job offers he's going to get are huge. So it feels worth it in a career perspective to put in that time. Even let's say another thing that comes up is like the people on this project are very difficult. Yeah. There's like so many cooks in the kitchen. I imagine for Back to the Future, that would be the case. There's so many producers who have a stake in this and it's going to be like something that they watch so closely that it does well, that there are going to be so many personalities Josh will have to deal with, many of them not great. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm ready though. Is Are you? Yeah. And that's part of you're just going into it with your eyes open that I'm going to have to kind of suck it up for this time. And then it's going to give me a huge boost to do something else. Also, you're working on your dream project, right? And that's something I was actually talking to a director recently who said that he just did a, done a big movie and he sort of came out of that experience saying, I will never do it again. <laughs> like, not that he won't do big movies again, but like the, the crazy amount of personalities involved in the project, the big movie that he did was so exhausting and so taxing on him personally that he just was exhausted. You can tell he's yeah. just tired. And he was like, I'm only going to work with people that like bring me joy from now on. Um, but I'm glad I had that experience is something he was, he made sure that he said that it was four years of his life. So four years of working with, and that can be the case for many of these movies and certainly TV series that last a long time. It's a long chunk of your life that you're investing in these people and in this property. And he was like, I wouldn't have it any other way. I learned so much having to deal with those personalities that made me sort of stronger as I move on in my career. And that's another thing to take into consideration, but do it with your eyes wide open, right? What's it like knowing we're willing me writing Back to the Future into existence? It makes me so happy. Like, it feels <laughs> off. The more we talk about it, the more obvious it is yeah. that it should happen. For a minute, I'm like, wait a minute. I am, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no one else. Okay. As soon as this strike is over, you're going to get a call. I can feel it. I... <laughs> I'll hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, if the movie or TV series is not produced, but the script is written, do the writers still receive their salary? So I'll do, those are two separate things. So movies and TVs are often the very different ways that people are paid. And also like the, the deals are also very different. So I'll take them separately. In movies, if the movie is not produced, but the script is written, do you still receive your money? Yes, absolutely. And I think... A big thing that um, when you hear with the writer's strike, people who are against it, they're like, well, writers make so much money. Why do they want more money? They're so greedy. Um, actually, the bulk of screenwriters in our industry are just kind of, as we say at the top of our podcast, real life working screenwriters. They're just grinding. They're working paycheck to paycheck and they're doing this exact thing. They're writing a script, they're getting paid probably minimum or slightly above, and then once the script is done, they have no idea if it'll get made or not. It's not in their hands. Usually for movies specifically, it's not in their hands. It moves on to a director, and the director kind of takes hold of it and goes in a different direction. Sometimes it never makes it to a director. Sometimes a studio or a producer will hire you to write a movie, and they'll be like, eh, that's not, like, that's not very good. It's not gonna go anywhere, we're gonna shelve it. So they put in all this development funds for it to go basically nowhere. 
But the good news is you still get paid. And that's how we as real life working screenwriters go from paycheck to paycheck is even if it doesn't get made, we'll still get paid to, to finish the script because our script is done. So that's definitely a benefit. For TV, you do get paid a script fee. So if you write a script, you're in the writer's room and you write a script, you'll get a script fee for that script, as well as your weekly fee for being in the room and you know helping break all the stories. You're doing a job that way as well. So you're getting paid for both of those things. But if a show goes into production and then it gets made, you do get more money, right? You, If you're continuing on during production as a writer, then you'll receive a weekly salary while the show is getting produced. Um, same with a movie. If you're on set, you could get paid to be on set and like help help write the movie. In fact, a, a, a friend of mine knows a writer who was uh, pretty much told he was going to be on set for a very big movie. And he was like ready to um, do work on his house with this check that he was pretty sure was coming in because he was going to be on set helping them um, with any kind of revisions while they're on set. And then at the last minute was told, yeah, I'm sorry, we're sending someone else. Mm. And so all these plans he had for his house now have to be put on hold because he wasn't on set. So he was getting paid to be there. It's hard out here. It's hard knock life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I hope that answers the question. Are there any bonuses that the writer receives if the film or series becomes a commercial hit? And the answer is yes. You get a bonus typically for if the show or movie even goes into production at all, mm -hmm. which is great because that means the reason why there's a bonus there for a writer is that your script was so good, it went through the development wall that you, that most of these screenwriters, like you said in the previous question, hit. Their, their script does not actually make it to production. So you, your script was so good, it broke through that wall and actually is now going to get made. So that deserves a bonus. So you get a bonus for going into production. And once the movie is done and uh, released, you depending on your credit situation, which we're gonna have an episode here coming up about arbitration, meaning if you wrote a script, but then someone else came in after you and tweaked it a bit, or even rewrote full scenes, what does that look like in terms of this very question? Like, what does your, your bonus look like? What do your residuals look like after this film comes out and is released? So typically you should see money, um, depending on, for instance, if it was only me on, the, on a script, I would get more money after it's been released and with residuals than if I shared the script with Josh, because then we're obviously splitting it two different ways. So yes, you should receive money as well after the movie's released. And the more it's a commercial hit, the better. Although I have not had anything released yet, so I can't speak to this very well. But I've seen writers who are on the picket lines posting some of their stories. And a lot of them say, for instance, that they had a hit movie come out, a, a movie that was so popular and made so much money for the studio that it generated multiple sequels. So clearly it was making money for them. He's not seen any of his sort of bonus because typically you get money based on how much the movie makes, right? If it makes $50 million worldwide, the writer should get a portion of that. I think that's just logical and ethical. <laughs> it makes total sense, right? Um, but the way these companies sort of structure everything, they technically don't make a profit, quote unquote, and therefore you cannot make money off of the profit. But it's so profitable for them that they're still able to make sequels. Yeah. Now, how that all works, I don't know, and I don't understand it. <laughs> but they are out there to screw you guys. <laughs> 
Um, and some of these other writers who have had this experience have have posted about it on Twitter. And I've retweeted it. So if you go to my Tasha 3.0 or Act 2 writers, you'll you'll see all of these stories coming out from the strike. And it's it's really, really interesting. I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, I'm engaged. I'm just sitting here listening. I'm, I'm happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a good question. How does a writer on strike or waiting for a new tr- contract survive? Those are very two different, very different things. I'll address the first part first. <laughs> How does a writer on strike survive? How are we surviving, Josh? <laughs> um, so I've been going through my daughter's Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> clicking to see how much each are worth. Yeah. Um, yep. What about yep. you? <laughs> yep. Uh, recently, Paul and I had a conversation of whether he should quit his job and, and get a higher paying job to support us. And that's something people are doing, right? If if your significant other makes money, you're kind of just surviving off of that. And by the way, that's a conversation Paul and I had very early in our dating and in our married life was, hey, it's entirely possible that as a writer, the way our writing career works out, I might not work for five years at a time. And you have to be ready <laughs> to support me during that time if that, if that ever happens. So a writer on strike is basically you're pulling up that card at this moment and you are either trying to find other work. There's a lot of people who are having to get day jobs and, uh, you know, work at furniture store, work in retail or wherever to make ends meet during the strike time. And then when you're waiting for a new contract, because I think that's an interesting question to bring up because it can take six months or longer for your deal to close, by the way. So you're like, hey, I sold a thing. I'm not gonna get paid for six to eight months. Sometimes for people it's taken a year for their contract to close. And in that time, by the way, at any point, the people can say, eh, you know, we changed our minds. We're not gonna do this project anymore. Entirely possible. So if you made any plan, that's why I never am excited or make any plans when it's like, hey, Tasha, you got this job. Congratulations. It's like, yeah, let's see in a year if this is real. <laughs> so it's it's very scary. And that's why a lot of writers will get multiple jobs or try to take on multiple jobs at the same time because you can't have all of your eggs and this one contract that may close in a year because how the fuck are you making money between now and when your deal closes and then you get 10%, you get 3000 bucks or whatever that is at the end of it, right? So a lot of writers have multiple jobs, some of which are not in the industry. Some, a lot of writers will have their day job and then they'll write whenever they can and sell whatever they can until they're able to sustain themselves simply by writing. And that is extremely difficult and not a lot of writers can manage it, to be honest. A lot of those writers on the picket lines that you see are these people who have multiple jobs to make ends meet. Oh man, this is going great. You know, writing is hard. We say that every episode. (laughs) You have to do this job because you absolutely love it and cannot do anything else because it is is a slog, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This last question is going to kill me. I can already tell. As it concerns the advance of artificial intelligence in entertainment, what are your fears following the advance of these new technologies? And do you think studios would be tempted to use this tool? The answer is absolutely yes. Not would be in the future. They are already 
tempted. They are already using it. They are already telling writers, hey, we're, how about we don't have a writer's room and it's just you and an AI? How about that? They are already doing this. So the fears yeah. are real. <laughs> they are very high. I don't, know, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I, I'm, I was thinking about AI today, as I do every day. And I was thinking to myself that we've been using AI for a really long time with like technology and special effects and putting it in movies. So AI's already been here. It just came for us a little late. And I don't know the timetable, but like I've seen ChatGPT version four or whatever version it is now. I've used it. We've tested it. I've watched videos on it. We all know that shit is not good and studios cannot use it currently. In the current state, it might be able to write something that's not good, but on like a higher level, it just it's just not there yet. It's just not. And it can't take notes. And there's always going to be notes. Yeah. So that's now. My, that might change in four days, but I'm just saying. Let's we'll not talk about technology. <laughs> bury my head in the sand. <laughs> bury me under a rock. It is weird, though, because this has been, I think, the first time, and then why we've been freaking out about it is with AI. This is the first time writers have been like, oh, now you're going to be replaced. Yeah. There's been other industries that this has happened to, but it's it's like you're, 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 it's here now. It's so it's weird. bizarre to me, though, like the strong desire to get rid of writers doesn't make sense to me. Why are people so gung-ho to get rid of our step of the process? Is it because it's imperfect? I think maybe that's it. If we, in talking to producers, they talk a lot about the uncertainty of hiring a writer, right? They can spend that 77,000 or whatever on a writer um, to write a script and then it comes back bad because to be honest, it's an imperfect science. It's true. Um, they could be pulled in five different directions because they need four other jobs in order to sustain themselves. And so this one project for you uh, kind of is uh, buried a little bit and it's not their 100% effort. Or it could just be a really hard idea. It's a really hard concept to execute. It's really difficult for one person or even in brainstorming with a few other people like the producers to actually get this thing right. And... Can chat GPT solve that problem? I don't think so. I mean, I don't fucking know because no. I'm not using it because I don't want to feed the beast. But my instinct currently, as you're saying, in its current form at least, is that it it can't fill in those gaps because those gaps are about sort of human complexity and hum- like knowledge of humanity and how people work together and how also people receive information, how humans receive it when they're in a movie theater watching something. Like all of that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah. I don't know. It's writing is hard and that's just the way it is. So maybe the imperfect nature of it is what makes them want to try and go after an AI tool because that's something they can more easily control and that will fuck up less. But will it fuck up less? I don't think so because either. That's the thing is it, it feels like like a lot of times producers, executives, they don't even know what they're looking for. And it's no. up to like I could be like, Tasha, you know, we're looking we're looking for this, you know, Back to the Future meets the mummy movie. And, you know, I, I really want there to be like the, the idea of this guy getting his parents back together again somehow. 
Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. But then you'll come back to me with a completely different take in, in a way that I hadn't foreseen. And you're like, yeah. you know what? This isn't about the parents. This is actually about a mummy becoming a human and time traveling or whatever it is. Yeah. And and then it, it makes you go, yeah, that's right. I feel like currently AI just does what humans tell it to do. Right. So you And as we all know, yeah. execs don't know what they want. Yeah. And the other good thing is that AI is still not fully thinking on its own, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe it is. Probably is. But all the ideas that AI have are currently from human beings. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Coming, coming, coming out of that little depression. Okay. Okay. You're maybe. no longer fuzzy face. Maybe you're no. you're a little. No. 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 I, I'm just talking. Talking now. But it's, it's <laughs> all right. So that's 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 our topic today. Is kind of how writers get paid. And I will say as sort of a wrap up to that, it's very different depending on the case too, it can be in terms of whatever your lawyer or reps have negotiated for you, you'll get paid more, less, differently. Um, it's it's a complex thing out there, but uh, part of what the guild is trying to do is to unify all of that. So there is, there is some certainty if you're a screenwriter or a TV writer and what your career is going to look like and how you're going to continue to get paid and get work so that it can be a sustainable career. Execution dependent. (laughs) Execution dependent. Yes. Okay. Quote of the day. To make a great film, you need three things. The script, the script, and the script. Alfred Hitchcock. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I am Josh Hallman on Instagram. Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.